The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for tuning in today. My guest has an incredible story to share and so many amazing life lessons that if you're looking to make a change in your life and you need some inspiration, stick around for this one. This is going to be an incredible hour. So I hope you stay with me. Dr. Lottie Valentin is the director of the Center for Integrative Medicine in Phoenix, and she specializes in integrative medicine using her training in nutrition, IV therapy, botanical medicine, acupuncture, homeopathy, and pharmaceuticals. And she works a lot with women in bioidentical hormone replacement, and she treats menopause, perimenopause, and also works with hormone replacement therapy for men. But if you're thinking this is going to be just a total total medical story, it's definitely not. I just wanted to give you a little information on Dr. Lottie. And her story is so interesting because not only is she an accomplished naturopathic doctor, but she's also a gifted medical intuitive and psychic medium combining the worlds of science and spirituality. So I really love how this all comes together. And I was introduced to Dr. Lottie's story through a good friend of mine, Jane Asher. And when I first started reading her book, Med School After Menopause, I was immediately drawn in because it starts out with her describing the birth of her daughter during a major earthquake. (laughs) So that just really sucked me into the whole story. And I was immediately interested in finding out more. So Dr. Lottie, welcome to the show. and Thanks for joining me today to share this. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me as a guest. I'm really well, looking th- forward to, to this interview. Yeah, I think the the crowd, uh, our listening crowd out there is really going to be into what you have to share today. So your book is a memoir, but you also share messages and exercises in the book for people to work on things like gratitude and visualization. And I guess, what do you hope is the main takeaway that people will get from reading your story? So I wrote the book for people and I was really, I was guided by the spirit world to write this book because of my two near death experiences, which we may get into a little bit later on, but the book is to help other uh, people to realize that just because you're in your forties or fifties, it doesn't mean that you can't change your life. And because of my experiences and near-death experiences and then becoming psychic and a medium, I was guided to go to medical school at the age of 54. But it actually started about eight years earlier because I had to do all the pre-med med school classes, the organic chemistry, chemistry, biology, physics, math, all of that, because I was a business major as an undergraduate. And it would have been if I, even if I had the science classes, I would have been it would have been too old. I would have to redo them. But the whole point of the book is to help other people transform their life and also to tune into their own intuitive abilities. And I tell stories in the book and how it happened and how that came about for me in order to help other people tune into that because we are intuitive creatures and we can all connect with the spirit world and be guided by our intuition. You don't have to have a near-death experience to 
to tune into all of these things. Well, I love that message. And there's just so many great stories in the book to share. And I want to try to get to as many of them as I can during the time that we have today. But I do want to start with how there was such a big shift in your life after the near-death experience that you had after the birth of your daughter. And what I thought was interesting about your story too, it was similar to another person I, I've spoken to recently that I interviewed that he had an NDE really early in life. He was very young, like four or five. And the experience continued to resonate for years after that. Like it's something that will continue to influence your life in, in so many incredible ways. And it really took you years to process this event. Um, and you had a couple of other ones that I want to talk about too, but this first one was really so significant. So I was hoping you could share that with us. So yeah, it's, it really threw me for a loop because I was a complete atheist when I had these experiences and I did not believe in anything, even though I was uh, raised Lutheran in Sweden, in Scandinavia, and I moved to the United States when I was 21. I was confirmed at age 14, but I really didn't believe in any of it. And then when I had my near-death experience and went, you know, left my body and went to the other side, I thought it must have been a hallucination or maybe I'm going crazy. And I would ask my friend, am I going crazy? <laughs> and she would ensure me that I just had a spiritual experience and it would eventually unfold. But it's, uh, it took me a long time. It took me um, a good 25 years to, to put it all together. And it wasn't until around 2015. So I had my near-death experiences in 1992 and 1994. And I really did not start sharing my experience openly until 2015. So that's a lot, a lot of years later to process that. But I think that when you have a spiritual experience like this, and it completely changes your perception of who you are and how you fit in and why you're here, it really um, takes a long time to, to put it all together and understand what it is, what is the meaning of that event for you. Because each person that has a near-death experience has a different experience. And for them, it might mean something different. For me, it meant I needed to become a healer. I needed to bring healing to the people. I needed to... Um, help other people that have had near-death experiences because we are reviving people. There are millions of people, I'm sure, that have had a near-death experience. I'm sure we've only known a fraction of them because people are still afraid of talking about it, right? So now working as a physician, I always ask people, did you have a near-death experience? Have you ever left your body? Because I know that these people are more sensitive to medication. They most likely need a, a smaller dose. And there's a lot of different psychological and physiological changes that happen when somebody has an experience like that. Right. I wanted to ask you about that because now that you can look back with the perspective of having the medical training that you've had, can you explain or understand why you started having clairvoyant experiences and remote viewing experiences after the NDE? Did, did that ever make sense? It did. It does now, it, but it took a long time. And after I graduated from med school in 2016, so I started med school when I was 54 in 2012. It's a five-year program. I did it in four years. And then as soon as I graduated, I was guided to go to Arthur Finley College to study mediumship. And it is in one of those situations where you know you have to go. And 
um, it's a funny story that I talk about in my book. I met a woman at a seminar. I, had, I didn't know anything about her. And she had studied at Arthur Finley College. And I met her for dinner. And I really had no idea. I didn't know anything about this woman's background or she didn't know anything about my life. And she kept saying, oh, I have your mother here. Are you open to receive messages? And I was still a skeptic. So this is in 2016. I've just taken my board exams. I don't even know if I passed my boards, which I, I did. But, you know, I'm just sitting in this limbo uh, waiting for my results. And she says, no, uh, you know, four times she kept saying, you have to go to Arthur Finley College. Your mother is telling me that this is what you have to do. And so I went, you know, six months later and I trained as a medium. But during this whole time from 1992, it started the day after my first near-death experience. I had my first contact with the spirit world. And then it just became more and more over the years until, you know, 12 years later, it was, okay, I get it. Uh, they would show me different events that were going to happen. They would show me family members that were going to get sick. They would show me family members that uh, were going to die. And I, all these messages. So I started trusting it because I knew it didn't matter if I would try to change the message I had gotten it, because the message is the message and it's coming from the spirit world. And that's how it all started. But it took a long time. But studying at Arthur Finley College, my teachers would look at me the first time I was there. And I remember one teacher said, uh, so you, you saw auras as a child. And I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, yes, you did. Think back about this for a moment. And I said, oh, yeah, I did. I remember this now. I remember like events, seeing uh, colors around my dad. And, you know, so the ability was there as a child, but it was suppressed because we live in the Western world and that's just fantasy. And no, you don't see anyone because my parents weren't intuitive like that. My father was a physician, but he was very scientific. And so I got that very, very scientific background, uh, I would say mostly from him. My mom was a little bit more open to spirituality, but I think that it was always there, but it was suppressed in childhood. And then my near-death experiences just made it all unfold because it had to. It's, it's my, I look at it, it's, we all have a journey and this was my journey. This is what had to happen for me. I'm, I'm wondering about with like, with your background now though, do you think that something physiologically changed in your brain after the NDE to enhance the ability that was already there as a child? I think it is. And then it becomes a different, uh, what, whatever you want to call it, enhancement or a change in your uh, physiological expression because of the spiritually transformative experience that I had. And uh, it took me a long time to come to terms with it. You know, the first time it was in the ER, but the second time it was in the middle of the night and I was really sick. And it bothered me for years that I didn't have scientific proof that I was close to death. And it took me a long time to come to terms with that. But after a while, I realized that it doesn't really matter. People, all people can have, you can have a spiritually transformative experience, even if you're not sick or close to death. And it can literally change your life. So it is that. It is the experience itself that we have that changes our perception of our life and how we see ourselves and, you know, how we perceive the world. So, right. I know there's been some studies like Abraham Maslow would describe them as peak experiences mm -hmm. and then how you would have changes after that. 
And I love the message that you share. And other teachers have said this too, that we all have this ability as, as human beings, these intuitive abilities, I don't want to say powers, but things that we can enhance. And we do have that um, ability to work on that. And that's something that I've always been interested in because I want to have these experiences very, very badly, <laughs> very much. I mean, I don't want to go through what you went through, you know, physically. I mean, that was very scary, what you describe in the book. Um, and then also the after effects, because your health suffered, you know, greatly for many years after that. And not, I'm not saying that was from the NDE, but what you went through physically, right? Right, right. I, I would say that was a physical reaction of the NDE and being so close to death and losing so much blood. And then I, I got really sick uh, for many years. It took a good six years. And during this time, it was as if my soul was always trying to leave my body. And uh, when if you think of a, a puzzle, you lay a puzzle and one piece is sticking up at the end and you kind of flatten it with your hand to make it smooth with the rest of the pieces. That's what it felt like. It felt like my soul was not merged in all the way with my body and it was always trying to leave. And I was always holding on to my soul. But I was really sick for, especially the first three years, I was really sick. And if I just put my knee on the floor, I would get a bruise on my knee. And I had something called a bone marrow suppression. So my immune system was suppressed. My, my red blood cells were suppressed. My platelets were suppressed. So I would bruise easily. I would get sick easily. I was anemic. I was tired. So all those things together with who knows what happens in an NDE, right? What, does the soul merge all the way in? I mean, how do we prove these things? Right. <laughs> or does it not move, merge? Or is it just the fact that I was so sick that this happened? But the way I look at it now, of course, it was... It was difficult to go through this period. I couldn't even go to the grocery store for the first year, year and a half because I couldn't stand up that long. I had a stool in the kitchen in order to cook for my children. Um, I couldn't stand up long enough without getting faint. So I think that um, those things that I experienced and being sick was just my path because if I hadn't had those experiences, I would never have changed my career and then become a doctor. But like you're saying, I want to have these spiritual experiences, but it doesn't mean that you're still not intuitive. You don't have to have an, a spiritually transformative experience to become intuitive. You just have to tune into it. Just know that you are an intuitive creature and sit in meditation. And the more you quiet your mind, the more you can create that peace within you, the more you can, you will be in tune with listening to your to your internal messages but most people have intuitive capabilities they say oh i'm going to call my mom and then your mom calls you or you know you you feel like you're going to meet your friend at the grocery store and then you do we all have these intuitive abilities but we tend to just put them aside and say it was just a coincidence right, right? and but discount them yes right but I it's a matter of back. tuning in more I, I have to learn to to do that and maybe spend more time in meditation and, and learn to get quiet because I can think of different insta instances and flashes of that. And I wanted to ask you about when you were describing you had a hard time after the NDE feeling fully present in your body. I've, I've only experienced that one time and this was a while ago. I think I was 18 or 19 and just really starting to get interested in 
spiritualism and meditation and things like that. And I managed to get myself into a very deep meditative state. And I felt myself come out or rise out of my body. But at that at that second that I realized what was happening, I got, I freaked out. I kind of got scared, like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Is this real? And I kind of snapped back in. So when you were describing that, I could, I could relate to what that felt like, but I haven't been able to do that again. I haven't been able to get to that point to, to feel that, but that must be such a bizarre feeling that to continue on that you're not feeling connected in your body. Like how long Mm -hmm. did it take to kind of integrate back? I would say 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. And, and you shared in the book that through like your health struggles and, and these difficult times, you tried to focus a lot on gratitude and you share some gratitude exercises in the book. I mean, was that really helpful to kind of pull yourself back in a little bit to be grateful? Yes, because when you focus on gratitude, you are, you're changing your physiological expression of all the different reactions. So think about it this way. If I take you to the jungle and I drop you off and I say, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go get some coffee. And a lion comes up and you're sitting there waiting for me to bring you coffee in the jungle. But the lion shows up and you're thinking, oh my, how am I going to stay safe? And this lion comes closer and closer. Your heart starts beating, your pupils dilate. You can, you just feel this rush of adrenaline through your body, right? That is just a physiological response to you being scared, right? Your body does these things automatically. So, but you can control this by shifting your own thought pattern to gratitude and compassion. So when you shift that, you're, you're changing the expression in, you know, your, your chemical expression in your body. And so it creates a feeling of peace, uh, peacefulness, belonging, compassion, uh, so when we focus on that gratitude and compassion, you know, it's when you people have um, when you're sick and you realize that there is all these other people that are also struggling with our health and you find out that somebody is even sicker than you are and you have compassion for them. Let's say you're in the hospital room. Wow, I feel so bad for my, you know, this friend that I've made here in the hospital who's even sicker than I am. But that compassion changes your own perception of how sick you are. So it it changes the expression, your physiological expression when you change that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And you also write about how you had a very strong belief that you you would heal, you would get well, and you you would visualize this. And when you talk to a doctor, like you kept putting off labs and things like that, and you finally talked to a doctor and you said, I don't want to know how bad that it really was because I believe that, you know, that I could heal. And I think that's really an important message in the power of our thoughts and our beliefs. I mean, if you believe it, it, it can be. Absolutely. Because again, you're, you're directing your own perception and the way you perceive yourself is directing that physiological expression. So when you're trying to heal something, I always tell people, always visualize yourself already being healed. It has already taken place because that's the message you want to give to your body. Not that, okay, we're going to keep working on this. Oh, you're going to be keep working for the rest of your life, right? So you want to think, I'm already healed. So I would sit there in this rocking chair holding on to my infant. I would be too weak to even go put her down. 
and my boys were uh, six and three and a half at the time. And basically I was, I just had the strength to sit there and, and monitoring them. And I would just visualize myself, you know, running on the beach in Hawaii, running in the waves and playing with my kids and everything. I was healthy and well. And I think that that does have an effect on, on your ability to heal. And that's also, you know, you can heal someone even if they're still physically sick. So somebody who's terminally ill, um, maybe in hospice, that person can still go through healing and feel healed, but they're still going to pass away from, you know, whatever ails them. But that is an important message to send to your body. And you can never go wrong with that. And of course, there are many other factors that are going to play a role, whether somebody is going to heal or not, because it's also your destiny. Maybe you incarnated for this. This is your exit point. This is what you came here to die or to be taken care of by your family members or because of your death, other family members are learning from this. Who knows what that soul contract was in the beginning? And so some people are not going to heal and some people are going to heal. It's not just about, you know, controlling your thought because some people will say, oh, my aunt is so negative. She gave herself cancer. Well, it is true that those thoughts impacted, but we forget that babies are born with tumors. So did they give it to themselves in the womb or was that something else that happened there, right? So we have to remember that there are many different factors, environmental factors, the emotional component, how were you raised? Uh, were you ever seen and heard as a child? You know, did you have abuse, an abusive type of childhood? All these things are going to play a role and then what you eat, you know, your physical makeup, your DNA and everything else. So it's never just one thing, you know, always remember that there's many different things that play a role in how you're going to live your life, your mental health, your physical health. Right. It's a combination of both. And so if people were listening and thinking, oh, Diane's going too woo, she's saying that you can just, you know, think yourself well, and that's not the total case. There are definitely other other factors involved. And like you were saying, in, in our bodies, we do hold on to things like cell memory and things like that, trauma, past traumas that we've had that can affect our physical health today. And excavating that, letting those things go with forgiveness and compassion, all go hand in hand with our healing as well, right? Right. And then we have, I've studied a lot of ancestral healing as well. And it's fascinating because there are times, you know, as children, we take on uh, not only from our environment, because you're around your, your parents or whoever is raising you. But even if you weren't around the people, and it could be your grandfather, we are tied, you know, in, through the energetic grid, uh, you know, if you want to say that, and via DNA, because we also inherit trauma via DNA. So they're, they're doing a lot of research. They've already found some genes like the FKBP5 gene and some other genes. So we can inherit trauma uh, via our genes, but also through what I call the energetic grid. And things can sometimes happen. There are certain patterns to who takes on what, you know, if you took on from your mother's side, your grandmother's side, your father's side, depends on your birth order, you know, what, are you the first uh, woman, you know, female or first male and all of those things. But that is interesting because many times things happen um, in a specific order. So if the, um, let's say the father died of cancer when he was 52, he has two sons. And then when the first son turns 52, he gets a divorce. 
so he also is removed from the family, just like his own father was removed through death. He is removed through a divorce. So, so these patterns happen ancestrally also. So there is, again, another factor that plays a role. So are you sick because maybe your mother got sick when she was 33 and now you got sick when you were 33? So there are many, it doesn't have to be the age, but there are patterns like that in ancestral healing. So sometimes it can be an ancestral component to why you're experiencing some form of hardship, either physical or, or emotional. Right. Oh, that I think that's so incredible. That's so fascinating. I'm really interested in family of origin stuff. I look back at, at my family a lot and try to pick those things out. You know, like I'll joke with my sister, you know, oh, we all have the family curse. Like we all feel things in our stomach. So we have, you know, stomach issues and things like that. And I can definitely see that tying back through my mother and a long line of worriers. You know, my mother worried about everything. Her mother worried about everything. And I can see how that plays out in myself, my sister and my brother. So I, I think that kind of um, insight, you know, being able to look back and identify those kind of things is so helpful. And that's something you do with a lot of your patients too, to talk about those things. Yeah. So I do a lot of, I do a lot of ancestral healing when I work intuitively. So I work as a, I still have two businesses. I should say that I have one that's drlottie.com and one is divinespiritualessence.com. And the two websites are linked so you can go back and forth, but obviously I have to separate the work because I hold a medical license and it has to be clear to the people that you're seeing me as a physician or you're seeing me as a spiritual healer or in medical intuitive. But I do a lot of um, medical intuitive ancestral in my spiritual business. So I work with, with people all over the world. So it's, it's fascinating. And I just love um, working, you know, both as a physician and as a medical intuitive, because many times people have had problems and, um, it could be a digestive problem. Now, a digestive problem could be you have, you know, celiac disease or you have food intolerances or you just have low hydrochloric acids. You're just not digesting well. We just need to add a simple supplement and all of a sudden you're digesting well. So it could be some, you know, simple medical component. It doesn't mean that you have some specific disease. You just need some help with digestion. But then there can also be a pattern of ancestral right? Or an emotional component, such an anxiety or worrier, worrier. But many times people are not aware that this is something that's playing a role because it's something they learned in early, early childhood. The family patterns are so interesting. We're going to take a short break. I'm talking with Dr. Lottie Valatin. Lots more to come. We're still going to dive into her med medical school experience and how she made some incredible changes in her life. We'll be right back. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for joining me today. I'm having an amazing conversation with Dr. Lottie Valentin. I was reading her book, Med School After Menopause, and she has an incredible story and so many amazing life lessons to share. In the previous segment, we were talking a little bit about family patterns. I just, I think that 
that that's so interesting to like peel back the layers of the onion and, and dig into those things. Now, I wanted to ask you again about your second NDE experience. And this I really, I thought was so incredible because this is different than in the first one where, you know, you had left your body and it was a different experience. This one seemed a little more detailed where you saw angels and spirit guides, things that you had previously didn't really believe in. And you also, in the second experience, you described seeing a silvery grid that was like a fishnet surrounding the earth. And that seemed a pretty incredible thing to be revealed to you because we've always heard that saying, you know, we're all one and it seems kind of cliche and you're like, yeah, I don't, don't really believe that. But this was really illustrated to you in this experience. And I was hoping you could share that because I thought that was, that was such an amazing visual when I read that. Yeah. Um, did you want me to share that and the, that part of the NDE story? Sure. So um, I leave my body. It's in the middle of the night. So we'll just go straight to it. And it is as if I'm tumbling through darkness and I arrive at what I call the mid station because somehow I'm aware that you could go higher, but there's also levels below me. And I call it the bouncing station only because I got sent back. It's like I got bounced back. And as I get to this place, and of course, I don't have a body. It's just my soul. And I hear the most beautiful music. And it's not of, you can't make this music on the planet Earth. It is just the most beautiful music you could ever imagine. And I look around. And so I look to my right and I see a log cabin that is literally just floating in space or in the clouds. And I'm thinking, wow, the music must be coming from the log cabin. So I open the door and look inside, but it's empty. So then I say, wow, that's so strange. And I look to the left. And I see the exact same log cabin, a mirror image of it. And so I'm like, wow, it's another log cabin. I open the door and I look inside and it's empty. So I'm really puzzled. I'm thinking, well, where is this music coming from? But as I'm contemplating this, there is this growing white light that is just expanding from behind me. And as I turn around, I realize that the music is coming from the light. But this is the most purest, whitest, brightest white light you can ever imagine. And as I'm looking into this light, there is an outline of angels in the light. And the music is coming from the angels. But I don't believe in angels. So I'm still perplexed. Why am I seeing this? Why am I having this experience? And the light is just this pure, unconditional love. But there is this realization of being part of this light. It is, we come from this light. We are the light. We return to the light. We carry this light within us. We, we, we are part of this holy experience, this divine existence of this light. But so then I become aware of two spirit guides. And one is to my right and one is diagonally to the left in front of me. And the spirit guide on my right communicates telepathically with the other spirit guide and says, what is she doing here? She can't be here. She has to go back. And this is not my second near-death experience. This is two years after the one in, my, in the ER. And I say, no, 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 wait a second. How can this be? 
how can I still be me and be outside my body? And then the spirit guide to the left diagonal in front of me said, well, if I told you, you wouldn't remember, but you will remember this. And then it's just, you know, these images just appearing in front of me, like a movie screen or whatever you want to call it, it just appears. And it all of a sudden, it is as if I'm standing on the moon and I'm looking down on the earth. But there is this silvery, glittery fishnet, I call it the fishnet because it was diamond shaped, that goes around the earth. And to me, it looked like a, a fishnet because I was raised in Sweden, in Scandinavia, and I, I spent my summers on an island with no electricity or running water. And I would be the rower for my grandmother laying fishnets in the, in the ocean to catch fish for the family. And when she took the fishnets out of the ocean early in the morning and the sun hit those water droplets, they would sort of sparkle. And a fishnet has that kind of diamond shape. So I'm looking down on the earth. And so to me, it looks like a glittery fishnet. Now I know, you know, since the internet has come about, now we refer to it as the grid and you can just Google these images. But back then there was no internet and there was no way for me to find any information on this for years. I combed the library. So anyway, so I, I look at this fishnet and the spirit guide says, everything on earth is connected to each other. And everything on earth is connected up to this grid. And with that message, I get sent back into my body. And that message has been with me now for 27 years. And it has really um, been a guiding force in my life and um, activated my life path to become a physician, to help other people, uh, realizing that we are all connected. What I say and do to somebody else is going to affect them, right? And we know that going into a room with angry people, right? We feel these different energies. So we are all connected. And not only that, but if you've ever read uh, some of the books, um, there's, um, we know that the heart has a frequency, right? We measure EKG and it's an electrical. That you know, entrains and resonates with other hearts, but it also resonates with plants and animals. So we have, you know, we give off frequencies and we know that from feeling love from someone or feeling anger from someone, we, we can pick up on these energies without the person even saying anything. So we are all connected. We all resonate and entrain with each other in many different ways, probably more ways than, than we think we do. So it's a, it's a message that activated my life path to helping healing to the people on earth. And was that the same time when you got that message about what that grid is? Was that when you received the four messages from no, so that consciousness? Uh, that came 12 years later. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, that was, well, it was uh, that near death. My first near death experience was in 92. My second one was in 94. So it'd be 10 years after that experience. It was in 2004 that I received three messages in my living room. And this is after I've gotten, you know, images where you're going to be in a car accident. It looks like this, you're doing that. And you know, this person is sick and your children are about to get hit by a car in the city. And like, I would have, it was just constant and it would just come more and more and more messages over a period of 12 years to a point where when spirit drops in and gives me a message, um, it's more kind of like I, I captain, I got the message. Uh, I, I just know it, the connection is so strong and it's always correct. And it had been correct for 12 years. Uh, as much as I tried to disprove the, the spirit world, 
the spirit world's always right. So at this point, I get three messages and I had just, uh, I had been home for a number of years. I was a programmer in my youth. I worked for IBM as a programmer and systems analyst. Then I stayed home uh, to raise the kids and studied nutrition. And then I had my third child in 1992 and then I got really sick. So that took care of the next 12 years, basically. So now it's 12 years later and I'm thinking, wow, you know, the kids are teenagers. I should look on the internet and see what I want to do. I'm going to rejoin the, the workforce, but I don't want to go back to the tech industry. I want to do something more in, in health. I want to help people. I come across this degree, naturopathic medicine, and I realize it's a medical school. And I said, oh, my gosh, I can't do that. I'm way too old. So here we go. My own tape's playing. You're way too old. You're in your 40s. And even if you do all these pre-med classes, there's no guarantee you're going to be accepted. Even if you get accepted, there's no guarantee I'm even going to graduate from medical school. It might be too hard. I might flunk out. And I walked away. I said, oh, I'll look some more tomorrow. I'll find something else. And as I'm making my way to the kitchen, a spirit guide drops in and he says, you have to go to medical school and become a naturopathic doctor. You have to combine East and West, which at the time to me meant old and new, but I didn't understand the complexity of that, the, the combining the East and West at a time. I just thought of it as, well, naturopathic medicine is kind of old and new because you learn traditional Chinese medicine acupuncture, botanical medicine, but you also learn modern medicine and pharmaceuticals because you become here in Arizona, we are called NMD. So naturopathic medical doctor. And then um, the other message was you have to write two books, no wait three, and you have to bring messages and healing to the people. And I said, okay, I've never thought of myself as an author. What do you, what do you mean? Write two books, no wait three. I don't know what to write about. And what do you mean bring messages to the people or healing to the people? And the spirit world just kept telling me, the first thing you have to do is go to med school. When the time is right, we will tell you what to do next. And with that message, I was enrolled in pre-med classes literally within a week. I got my transcripts from Boston University where I did my undergraduate degree and transferred them into a community college to do my prereqs for med school. And that's how it all started. And then this message of, writing two books, no way three, I then received from four different mediums, two of the teachers at Arthur Finley College and two mediums here in the United States. And the message always came through the exact same way. And they would say, I have your mother with me. She's telling me that you are writing a book. I literally had, and I had written the chapter titles. That's it. Nobody knew. I hadn't told anybody. And they would say, oh, your mother tells me you're to write two books. No, wait, three. So after I got that message you know, four times, I said, all right, this obviously this book has to be written because the spirit world keeps telling me you have to write it. And then I was you know, guided. I would ask the spirit world, what do you want me to write about? And that's how med school after menopause, the journey of my soul came about. And they would just tell me, write about this, write about that. And I would just try to get as much information I could to try and help other people. And that book I actually won an award um, in August. Uh, it won the gold medal in uh, this category of spiritual leadership uh, by Living Now Book Awards. So I'm really wow. honored. Really well, congratulations honored. on that. Uh, I really yeah. loved it. I mean, I hope that people are interested after hearing this conversation to pick this up because 
like I said in the beginning, there's so many incredible messages and lessons that you share that we can all learn from. And especially as women, you know, don't let your dreams die. You're not too old to move forward with what you really want. And also what I love is, you know, pay attention to that voice of spirit and pay attention to your dreams because when you are moving in that path, it seemed like the doors opened, right? Things yeah. happened that led you to go that way. And I'm, I'm trying to live those, that lesson myself in things that I'm starting out and trying to start a business and things that I'm afraid to do. But I think that I'm on the right path and that if I just keep doing it, that it will happen. And you're giving me the inspiration to continue to do that. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just, I call it the baby steps. You know, yes. you start rolling that snowball and eventually it gains momentum and it starts rolling by itself. But it's just taking those first steps and, and remembering that, you know, I wrote this book while I was working full time. This is something I did in the evenings. So I would set an hour aside every day and I would set, uh, you know, sometimes three hours aside, sometimes seven hours. I would spend an entire Saturday um, just writing. But it's not when people do things like this, it's not that they quit their job to do something else. They they start rolling this little snowball while they're still doing their regular work. You still have to pay your bills. You still have to eat. Right? You still have to do all those things. But it's taking those baby steps in that direction. And all of a sudden, you know, you're building something new and it creates excitement, too, in your life, because now you're bringing in some new energy into your life because this creates a change in, in how you see yourself, too, in the world. Right. It makes you and it, it makes you healthy. Time. Yeah, like we should put the pressure on ourselves that, OK, this has to happen within a certain time frame because you're proof positive that that's not the case. And like you said, take take baby steps. I mean, you started out with one class, then. Another class, you know, you would get up at four to study 4am before you had to go to your other job. So it is, it's hard work and it is sacrifice as well. Yeah. And it's, I started my prereqs in 2004 and then I didn't go to medical school until 2012. So it took a lot of years and I, I couldn't even take the advanced placement bio. I mean, the regular bio, I had to take advanced placement bio high school class before I could get even get into my prereq bio classes and the same thing for chemistry because I didn't grow up in this country I hadn't graduated from an American high school I was a language major in high school uh, in Sweden we actually major uh, in high school so if you're going to go into science you get those science classes but I majored in business and languages in high school so I had not had science classes since ninth grade in Sweden. So I had to start with advanced placement bio and chemistry uh, before I could even get into my classes at a community college. But it's taking those steps in the right direction. And it's it was so exciting because all of a sudden, you know, you're back on campus. It was scary too. I, I'm going to admit because I'm on campus with with kids that are just a few years older than my own. And yeah, I wanted uh, to ask intimidating you how in you felt being the oldest person in the class sometimes was that weird yeah. at first and then you just kind of settled in right so i think it was it was weirder um at the community college because the kids tend to be younger once you get to the graduate level classes there are going to be other students that are in their 30s or 40s so you know if you like i would dress young so i would sort of blend in so people would think i was in my 40s even though i was in my 50s <laughs> but i think most people thought that I, I blended in well with a with the 40s category but it's it can be an advantage to be the older student 
looking back, I don't think I could have done that training going through medical school when I was in my 20s. I required way too much sleep back then. Now I require less sleep. I also have all my life experiences to draw on. And we think that, you know, oh, well, I've, I haven't done much. You know, I was a programmer. I studied nutrition and then I was at home for many years, you know, about 15 years. I was a stay at home mom. So, of course, it's intimidating to go back to school and um, all these young kids that know how to get around with a computer and everything is so easy for them. They grew up with the computers and you're kind of I'm fumbling my way along in the beginning, download, upload and all these different platforms. But, you know, you get used to it and then you learn and then you become um, very good at it after a while. So the graduate school is a little different because, you know, people are a little older, so it's a little bit easier to blend in. But I would say my advice would be don't be afraid. Just go for it. You can do it and you can surprise yourself. And I think one thing that may be a blessing out of this whole pandemic experience that we've had is that a lot of people have been forced to have to learn some of those things. Like you're forced to learn how to do YouTube and Zoom and things like that. I mean, I remember back working for a company, I worked for a book publisher and we had two guys called the mics. And when something went wrong, you called the mics and they fixed it and they would come into your, you know, fix your computer. And now I don't have the mics. <laughs> you know, I have to do it myself. And there's times yeah. I've wanted to cry and having to learn a new program and I'd want to just pay someone, just do it. I'll pay you whatever amount of money, you know, just do it. <laughs> but you can learn it. You can, yeah. you can, you know, the old saying, teach an old dog new tricks. And it's not, I don't think you ever stop learning, really. No, I think you know, it's, a it's never it's too late. Lifelong. It's lifelong. And we forget that you can learn almost anything on YouTube nowadays. There's videos right? for everything. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times like learning all these different programs and recording and right? And YouTube has videos for almost anything. You can just go there. and That's true. You don't know how to use Excel. Go to YouTube. How do you use Excel? And it's, that will be it's a, great. Yeah. A tutorial. For you. I'll, I'll Google it. You know, how, to, how do you do this? What is this? And yeah, you figure it out step by step. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just so inspiring to hear your story. So I'm curious when you hear the voice of spirit, is it a neutral sounding voice? Is it male? Is it female? Is it genderless? How, how would you describe it? Um, it's definitely genderless. It is because it's um, it's not like you hear it with your ears. If I hear it, it's um, kind of an omnipresent. But you know, it's, you're connected to the spirit world. You know, it's come. It's not coming from your head. So in the beginning, when you're learning this, you you're learning to separate. Uh, you know, when you start training as a medium, where did that information come from? Did it come from my brain or did it come from the spirit world? And you learn to separate the two. And it's just. Um, it's just like learning, uh, learning how to use the computer or learning how to write, learning how to read. It's we are all capable of this. But in the beginning, we don't know. And I think that's why we don't trust ourselves when we get when we have intuition or um, we hear things from the spirit world. And we sort of we feel that maybe that was my mom visiting me from my spirit world. But we are doubting it because we're thinking maybe it came from the brain because we haven't gone through that process of learning how to separate it. But uh, for me, it's just an omnipresent a voice that is genderless. That yeah, I I I can describe feelings. I haven't. I don't know if I've heard actually a voice of that communication, but I'm I'm trying to tune into that a little bit more. So hopefully I'll be able to amplify that and make it clearer. 
that'll yeah, be and, receive those kind of messages. Yeah, and people are different too. So most of my communication is clairvoyant. So I see things. So the spirit world shows me things, and I read the images. Um, some people never see anything, and they just hear things, and other people feel things. So we are again, we're all so unique. Um, for me, I am mostly clairvoyant and then some clairaudient and some clairvoyant. So it depends what it is that I'm doing. If I'm working with uh, the spirit world and I ask them how they passed away, they will uh, typically uh, give me a feeling in the body, which is interesting. So uh, my bre- if it's breast cancer, my breast will hurt. Uh, or if it's uh, ovarian cancer, my ovaries will hurt. And it's fascinating because I know the anatomy of the body. And uh, many times I can get that um, exact reason why they passed away but also you know hearing things sometimes I hear things and then if I'm just doing a reading it's a mostly images so again we're all we're all unique and some people just are really good at one you know one avenue they're just clairaudient or they're just clairsentient so I would say I, if I would identify one of those I would probably be more clairsentient but I'm wondering if there's a word for smells you know, sense, clear, scentable, because I know many times I've smelled my mother's perfume or my grandmother's perfume Mm -hmm. and especially my grandmother, because it was very distinctive, uh, brand. It was Mm -hmm. this Estee Lauder brand called youth do. I even remember what the bottle looks like and I'll get like a waft of a scent of that sometimes, but I don't know if there's a word for that. I don't know either if there is a word for that, but I think that is uh, one way that a lot of people will experience this because you know that smell is not around. You don't have that perfume in your house. And so it couldn't be from your brain, right? Because you're you're smelling it. And so it's it's a great way for the spirit world to show up and say, hey, I'm here. Just checking up on you. That's how I get that little nudge. Sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, smell a certain scent. I'm wondering, have you ever lost patients or people that come to you and then they find out that you are interested in this spiritual work? Do they just say, I can't, I can't do this, or this isn't for me, or does it freak people out? Have you ever had that experience? If, if my patients, if it would freak them out knowing that I'm a medium or yes, um, I don't talk about it. If people see me as a physician, I, 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 you know, treat patients under my medical license and I do everything I'm supposed to do as a physician. But if, you know, it's mostly on the spiritual side, you know, the people will find me on, if they are interested in that, they will schedule sessions on my intuitive side. I can't really, you know, you can work intuitively as a physician. And I think all physicians do to a certain degree. Uh, you know, you're, you're seeing a patient and they're telling you the story. They're telling you they found this and I'm on this medication, but that little voice inside you says it's wrong. It's, it's gotta be, it's something else. It's this, right. And so that's everybody being intuitive, right. And so of course, if I hear if I hear something, uh, you know, do an x-ray on this patient, even though there's no reason or run this extra lab, you know, I will say, you know, you're worried about this. I'm concerned about this. Let's just calm our minds down. Let's just make sure there's nothing there. Right. But if I hear a voice, then I'm going to follow on that. But I think that's a lot of physicians will do that. You know, they go, they listen to the gut instinct and it can say, especially, I always think of people, doctors in the ER, Uh, I'm sure many of them have saved lives just by, you know, sticking with our gut intuition. This is, you know, medically, I know it's this and I'm supposed to do this, but I'm also 
thinking it's this and then finding, you know, something that actually saves our life. And you say that's always right. Yeah. When you get that information. Yeah. It's always right. It has always been right. But if I'm told to do something extra, run an extra lab, there's always a reason for it. It's been so amazing to talk with you and to hear your story. and, And I love the book. I really hope people pick this up. And how can people reach you for a consultation if they're interested in finding out more and talking to you? Uh, yes, yeah, so I have two websites. So it's Dr. Lottie, D-R-L-O-T-T-E.com. And that is really my sort of medical website, but um, it also connects you to my spiritual website, which is divinespiritualessence.com. So you can go to either of them and and click back and forth between the two websites. So to schedule a session with me, um, like a spiritual session, you would go to divinespiritualessence.com and you can book all different types of sessions that I offer, like medical intuitive, or um, if somebody is looking to connect with a loved one in the spirit world or have a psychic reading, looking for direction in their own life, then that's a wholehearted session. And the wholehearted session can really go anywhere. It could be we connect with the spirit world. Uh, we give you guidance. You know, they're coming to a crossroad in their life. They don't know which foot to stand on, that type of, of direction. So that's a wholehearted. Medical intuitive is, I call it the um, medical intuitive and wellness session. Many times I will, um, and I work with people from all over the world. So sometimes people also in other countries, they might not have certain treatments available or, and even in this country, they've seen 10 doctors and they're still sick and they're just told there's, they keep telling me there's nothing wrong with me. And then we tune in. So they tell me, these are all the things that have happened. This is the diagnosis I got, but nothing is working and they can't find anything wrong. And then we tune in right away intuitively and see what messages I get. Oh, you know what? This is what I'm hearing, blah, 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 blah. And then we kind of verify it with my medical knowledge. So it's very handy to get the messages from the spirit world and then have the medical knowledge. Does does this make sense? Right? So the spirit world tells me, oh, this person has an upregulated nervous system, or this person has endometriosis, but have been misdiagnosed or they had ablation, but it didn't work or whatever. And it's still there. And so then I can say, hey, you know, the spirit world's telling me this, and do you have these symptoms because and then they do so then we know what and then we know what to do and i can give them guidance you know go find this kind of doctor or or solve it this way perfect well it's been so amazing to share this time with you today and thank you so much for talking with me yeah thank you so much for having me as a guest i really enjoyed it thank you for listening this is unity online radio the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.